they don't want to get hurt again. I'm kind of like, I've been hurt so many times by this team. I don't want to be hurt again. Welcome back to Rough in the Basket. We are back here. Uh, it's been a wild week in the NFL and the NBA, all things sports, accompanied as always by Brennan Carr. Brennan Carr, uh, I lost a bet this week. You want to explain what the bet was and what my punishment is? You gotta, you gotta pay your dues, bro. I got it. You gotta, but yeah. Welcome back. You know we're back again for the second week in a row. You know we're we're trying to be more consistent, but again, heavy NFL episode this week. But we got to get into this. So if you guys remember when we were doing our division break, division previews and breakdowns for you know every single division in the NFL kind of predicting the record and predicting some of the players' outcomes through the season. We were doing the AFC South episode, and Noah and I had made a bet about Davis Mills and the Texans and Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. And I believe that my side, the Texans needed to win a certain amount of games, and I would get a Davis Mills jersey would have been too expensive, but like, you know, one of those shirt jerseys. And then yours was – um. I think either if the Jaguars reached a certain amount of wins or if Trevor Lawrence throws 20 touchdown passes. Well, Trevor Lawrence has just eclipsed 20 touchdown passes. So that means that you, my friend, have to get a Trevor Lawrence shirt. So we're going to be waiting for that. Yeah, you know something, dude? I was right before this. I'm not going to lie. I was looking at eBay of uh, autographed Trevor Lawrence cards. Bro, they're actually a lot cheaper than I thought they would be. Like They range from anywhere from like, 80 to 500 which like obviously not going to go to 500 but I'm, I might invest in some Trevor Lawrence I mean he's been looking nice I will admit yep. I was wrong about him uh so I believe since week nine he's had 10 touchdowns no interceptions last few weeks he's really broken out I have to say that I'm excited next year I have Calvin Ridley on one of my dynasty league teams uh mm-hmm. so I'm excited for next year to see how that combo of Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley is going to be uh and then throw in Throwing uh Kirk in there, Christian Kirk, yep, and Christian Kirk. it's it's gonna be interesting to see what happens next year. But this year, Jaguars are still still kind of a bottom feeder, but they do. It looks like at least they do have the quarterback of the future, and I was wrong, so I'm willing to admit it. I think Trevor Lawrence it, he does have a bright future ahead of him. I will finally admit it. I I'm so glad you've admitted it. Look, I mean. It's 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 good, you know. I think Trevor Lawrence, like I said, I was saying it last year too. This guy was in a terrible situation, maybe the worst situation in the NFL with Urban Meyer, who essentially was sabotaging this team. The guy didn't even know who Aaron Donald was. I mean, he was going to bars after games, and it it was just a total mess of a situation for a rookie, might I add, too, to go into. Doug Peterson comes in, you know, he's a quarterback friendly coach. And was he had 20 touchdowns, six interceptions. He's rushed for four touchdowns. He's been pretty effective on the ground too. I I saw this coming and I, you know, I believed in Trevor Lawrence throughout the entire process. You weren't the only one. Like there were people who were certainly doubting him and, you know, I never doubted him. And now he's really starting to put it together and the future is very bright. You know, just if they can just continue to build around him, you know, like you said, mentioned Calvin Ridley's coming back. You got Christian Kirk, Zay Jones has been kind of a little bit underrated at some points this season. And Evan Ingram had a monster game. He had like 10 catches, 160 yards or something. Yeah, I mean, this this 
it's it's impressive for a second year quarterback to be doing this. And it's not like Trevor Lawrence's team is really that great either. But you know, he's he's been he's been pretty good this season. He had he was just named the AFC player of the week from this past game against the Titans, who are a pretty good defense. And you know, he really shined. He had four total touchdowns in that game. And yeah, I, I think this the future is very bright for Trevor Lawrence and, you know, they're going to continue to build around him. Maybe they add another weapon. Like it's very possible they try to get another wide receiver to come in for them. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Trevor Lawrence and it's really nice to kind of see him getting settled and, you know, making some NFL throws. He looks comfortable. And there, there's been times this season where he's certainly made some pretty bad decisions, especially in the red zone. But I think he's right now really starting to put it together and you just have to be excited about the future of the Jaguars. And this might be one of the first times in such a long time that I think we can be excited about the Jaguars future and their quarterback position. I mean, I can't really think of many Jaguars quarterbacks off the top of my head that I've you know been excited about. So this is definitely new for Jaguars fans and you guys should definitely be excited about it. Yeah, silly Urban Meyer going to bars after games. You got to go to the bars before the games, not before the games. Just yep. playing, just playing. But uh, on your days off. I mean, yeah, on your days. He he got a lot of those now, so hey, he can do that. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy that luxury. Uh, yep. While he's probably still making like someone like five million dollars because they had to pay him a lot of money to get out of that contract. So yeah, that, right now he's with Fox uh, covering college football. He's back in that role, so we'll see. Yeah, he's probably better there than as head coach in the NFL. Well, definitely. Unless but, he's like but, a very but, shitty commentator, there's always that that possibility he'll be like a Jason Witten or something. Like, yeah, oh god, I don't know if you could be any worse than him. Yeah, <laughs> damn, bro, <laughs> we're just <laughs> crapping on Jason Witten for no reason. Poor guy, shout uh, Jason Witten. Yeah, a great tight end though, top five tight end of all time. So you, you can't be talented at everything, I guess. But we're talking about quarterbacks here that are emerging, teams that are exciting. Finally. We got to talk about the Detroit Lions a little bit. I think we kind of brought this up a little bit last week. Uh, dude, nope. I had no expectations of them winning that Vikings game, even though they were favored. I was like, there, there's no way they're going to win that game. They're, they're facing a team that's 10-2. and two. Yes, the Vikings got lucky like their last three or so games prior to that. They had some moments that could have gone either way and kind of came out on top of those games. But I really thought that they were going to just destroy the Lions and kind of end all talk about the Lions buzz, any buzz that they had going into the game. And that did not happen. What I saw with the Lions, I actually went to Chili's to watch this game. Believe oh, love it. it. They, they had a uh, red zone going and the Lions were in the red zone quite a bit during this game. So got to see a lot of action. Uh, unfortunately, I'm too poor to afford red zone this year. So hopefully mm. NFL Sunday ticket, dude, shout out NFL Sunday ticket for like having fucking, uh, sorry, having $300. <laughs> I'm going to bleep that part out. For oh my God. Like $300 price. Dude, Sunday ticket, get your act together. Us NFL <laughs> fans, we're like broke. Come on, man. Just like make it like $15 a month or something. Chill on the price. Anyways. <laughs> What I'm trying to say here is uh, the Lions, they beat a very good team. Fun fact, Lions in the Dan Campbell era are 4-0 against teams that are five games over 500 or more. Very interesting. They are the, I believe he's the only coach actually in the Lions history, recent history, last 25 years to be able to beat a team that is five games over 500 or more. And he's done it four times. That's incredible. 4-0, undefeated with that. Uh, Look. I'm not. I'm trying so hard to remember that the Lions are one game under 500. Still, I'm trying to remember that because 
it's funny, man. It's like it's all about perspective, I guess, at the end of the day. If this was the Patriots, if the Patriots were six and seven right now. Patriots fans would be jumping out of the window. They would just be down in their tequila. They'd be knocking yeah. out. They would be on the streets. It would be a mess. Massachusetts would be a shit show. But Lions, we're like partying. The Lions fans are having the time of their lives. They are celebrating. It is good vibes in Detroit right now. And they are still one game under 500. Genuinely, I do not think they're going to finish over 500. If I'm completely honest, I could see them going two and two down this stretch. They're facing the Jets, Carolina, Chicago, and Green Bay. I say they probably realistically go two and two and get to eight wins. But still, I think the fact that Jared Goff has 22 touchdowns this year and seven interceptions, if you go back to last season and you include those stats in there, since he has joined the Lions, let me just get these stats out to confirm this. He has 41 touchdown passes and 15 interceptions. Those are good numbers. He has a completion percentage of 66% since he has joined the Lions. I'm beginning to think Jared Goff is the future of the Lions. I'm beginning to think this. And I think, again, it goes down to the situation. We brought up Trevor Lawrence at the start of the show. We brought up the situation with Urban Meyer. If you watched how the way he played last year to this year, Doug Peterson is the head coach now of the Jaguars, and he he's a beast. He won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles as a quarterback. This guy mm-hmm. is a good offensive-minded head coach. And if you have these quarterbacks, wide receivers, de- defense, whatever, with a good head coach, a good – uh, defense is my head coach, a good st- strategic coach. They can win games. These players are capable of winning games. The majority of players in the NFL are capable of winning games. And I think that's what it comes down to. Jared Goff is in a position now where he has talent around him. He has uh, an offensive coordinator that's okay. I mean, Dan Campbell's been calling the plays. He's been doing a pretty good job at it overall, been making some really ballsy calls. He has Amonra St. Brown in there. He has DJ Shark in there. He had TJ Hawkinson in there for half the season. And even though they were losing those games, TJ Hawkinson did contribute quite a bit. So their offensive line is probably top five in the NFL. They have two very capable running backs in Swift and uh, Williams. Also, Jameson Williams, not to be confused with the other Williams, which I do sometimes confuse those two. Uh, The guy who came out of Alabama, probably the best wide receiver available in the draft, got him in the first round. Went off. I wouldn't say went off, but he caught a he t- caught a touchdown pass for forty one yards wide open. Great sign. I think if you surround Jared Goff with enough talent, people forget he went to the Super Bowl. Granted, he lost it to Tom Brady, but he went to the Super Bowl already. He's been there. He's done that. So if you give him the talent necessary to win games, and you surround him with that, he's a capable quarterback. And I would I would rather that they build on their defense and they spend both of their first round picks on defense and they go on that side of the ball. They address whatever needs they need to address with the defense. And they kind of ignore their offense because their offense overall is in a really good place. And I only see their offense getting better in future years. And if you can just, maybe if there's maybe if Bo Nix is available in the third, fourth round, or if uh, I don't know, maybe the guy from, he's not going to be available in the third or fourth round, but you get my point. If one of those guys, that are like fringe second, third round quarterbacks. There's a lot of them this year in the NFL draft. And one of those guys are on the board. Hell with it. Go with them on the third round. But you don't need to draft the quarterback in the first round. Jared Goff is serviceable. I will say that at this point. He's won me over and he has me excited for the future. But uh, what do you think the Lions future holds? Do you think like they could be competing for the Super Bowl like within the next two years? Genuinely, dude, I, I mean, my my hopes with the Lions have kind of like skyrocketed which is scary because I'm trying, it's like, I feel like I just got out of a relationship and you know, like people, when they break up with their significant other, they try to kind of like 
not surround themselves with too many people. They, they don't want to get hurt again. I'm kind of like, I've been hurt so many times by this team. I don't want to be hurt again. But I feel like I'm probably going to at some point. So what do you think the long-term long-term goal should be with the Lions? What do you think their long-term outcome is going to be? That was an incredible analogy right there. I love that. That's that's honestly kind of accurate. That's like, going in the intro. That's that's like very accurate. Um, I mean, my personal opinion, I mean, I think expectations should be dimmed a little bit. Like, I, I listen, I get your excitement, and I think you have every right to be excited. I think the Lions are – you know, they're winning football games. They've been a very exciting team this year. They've, you know, what have they won now? Five games in a row. And there's playoff aspirations with this team, which we haven't been able to say since, what, 2014 they made the playoffs and lost to the Cowboys in the wild card round. So that's like a long time since the Lions have, have been in that position. And they can certainly make the playoffs this year if they kind of win out their games. But Look, their their offense has been fantastic, like you mentioned. And they're in terms of offensive yards per drive, they're fifth in the NFL in that. They're third in the NFL in offensive points per drive. So they're a very they're a team that scores a lot of points on their drives and get yards. And, you know, Jared Goff, I gotta give him credit. He's played really good football over this, you know, these last six games, this stretch the Lions have been on. I'm not I'm not completely sold on Jared Goff yet. I'm not going to say like he's the future of the Lions because there's you know there's been times where I've seen Jared Goff look really bad and you know that I feel like that eventually one of these disaster class games could be coming for him. But I'm not I mean right now he's playing really well and this offense is playing exceptionally well. And that call in that Vikings game to pretty much ice the game with Panay Sewell pretty much putting him in motion and you know, him getting wide open and getting the first down, the way they set that up because they ran the pretty much the same play like a couple plays before that, but instead of throwing the ball, they ran the ball. And I think that was fantastic coaching. Like, that was great. You know, you pretty much fooled the Vikings into thinking, oh, they're going to run the ball. Of course, they wouldn't throw it to their offensive lineman in a crucial point in the game on third and seven, right? Which they did it, and it was a ballsy call. Dan Campbell... You know, sometimes those situations, it's not going to work out. I think they also ran like a fake punt in this game too, which Dan Campbell loves running fake punts. It's so funny. Like he'd rather fake it than punt the ball sometimes. But yeah, I think the Lions, you know, it's, they're, they're, it's very, they're a very exciting team. They have two, they have the, the, the Rams first round pick, which can end up being a top three pick. So you can take, I think they should probably take a Jalen Carter or a Will Anderson. If you decide to take a quarterback, maybe CJ Stroud, you think about him. But I mean, I think the Lions right now, their offense is playing obviously some great football. They have some good weapons in the Monroe St. Brown and Jamison Williams. I think he's only going to get better as he gets a little bit more healthier and he becomes more acclimated to the NFL level. I mean, he had the 41 yard touchdown, like you mentioned, the one catch, but you know, I think there'll be more opportunities for him down the road. But, yeah, I think it's, you know, if you're a Lions fan, you have to be excited. And, you know, you just got to hope that the, you know, the front office can kind of put a better team together. I think their defense still needs some improvement. Like, Aiden Hutchinson has been playing some really good football recently. But, you know, also you have some other holes on that defense to get to address. And then, you know, if, if Jared Goff is going to be your guy next year, like, you just got to, you know, make sure that you're 100% committed to that. And, you know, maybe you decide to take a quarterback in this draft just in case if it doesn't work out. But, yeah, I think the Lions, though, I mean, 
I don't know about Super Bowl in the next two years, but I will at least say that they're an exciting team. I like Dan Campbell. I think he's, you know, I think he's someone who I think it's good for the NFL. Like he's a guy who obviously cares about his players. You know, you see some of the post-game press conferences and obviously they were on hard knocks this year. So you kind of got to see a little bit more, uh, more, you got to see their team more in depth, but yeah, I think the Lions are an exciting team. Am I going to say they're a Super Bowl team in the next two years? I don't think so. I think there's you still have the Chiefs. You got the Buffalo Bills who are still going to be in the mix. I mean, you know, think about the Chargers, think about the Bengals. I mean, I know these are all AFC teams, but NFC-wise, I mean, you know, there might be like the Cowboys who are still hanging around. The Eagles might still be hanging around too. They're in a position to even get better because they have the Saints first-round pick, so they can draft a really good player too. Um, but yeah, I think the Lions should, they're an exciting team and can they get into, can I, I, for your sake, I hope that they make the Super Bowl in the next two years, but I'm not completely sold yet. And maybe that's just because I'm not completely sold yet on Jared Goff because, you know, I've seen him throughout his career, but we'll see. But right now I, I think you should be pretty excited if you're a Lions fan without a question. Hey, that's for sure fair. Uh, even though statistically, if you look at the Lions defense, it's almost it's probably worse than the NFL in the majority of categories right now. That's just because you have to you have to keep in mind something here. They gave up 48 points to the Seattle Seahawks one week. They gave up, I think it was 31 points or 30 points to the Bears. They gave up uh they've given up a lot of points to a lot of teams this year. I'm not gonna read all of them out, but since week nine. All right, they've allowed a 57.4 completion percentage rate to the opposing quarterbacks. That's first in the NFL. 74.9 passer rating second in the NFL. And seven interceptions they've had. That's first in the NFL. Keep in mind, they intercepted Aaron Rodgers three times in a game. He had four interceptions the entire season the year before. They've been able to do things to other quarterbacks that I really haven't seen for, for a long time out of this Detroit Lions defense. And I think Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator, he should be looked at for a few offense, uh, not offensive head coach position, but just head coach in general positions. If this stays the way that it's, it is for another year, he should be considered as a genius offensive mind for years to come. I was listening to the Pat Caffrey show today. Uh, and Dan Campbell was on there. He was talking about that play, and I, maybe some of the viewers here have, have heard it already, but he said that hey, actually that that uh, fake attempt or that attempt with uh, Panay Sewell, that was not his call. That was Ben Johnson's, and that he was just – his words exactly. I, I was kind of zoning out when I was watching the wave, and then Ben Johnson was like, hey, what do you think about this play? And he was like, ah, yes, yeah, sure, go with it. And then he kind of like zoned out and then he looked and then he saw Panay Sewell just running with the ball. And he's like, whoa, what the hell just happened? <laughs> it's like, <That's> so funny. <laughs> man, I mean, I don't know if he's just saying that or if he's just, you know, trying to do some kind of like reverse psychology things on defenses. So like defenses are like, oh, this guy's actually, you know, he's a dimwit. He doesn't know what he's doing. And then reality is like a, a genius. But uh, point being, I mean, he did say they have practiced that a lot in, in their practices and stuff like that. So they knew what they were doing, but I think it's like it's amazing to see what they've done. Like the the offensive play calling has been phenomenal. They've also on special teams. The Lions have been very good on special teams the last few years in terms of making these plays where they'll do a bunch of fake punts or they'll do you know fake field goals, whatever. I think this this has happened at least four times in the last few years with the Lions. Mm-hmm. They've executed it fourth and seven, fourth and six, fourth and five. They've been able to get it multiple times. And uh, 
that's like the Dan Campbell specialty at these at this the point. Punts, man, I'm telling you, he loves it. Uh, I love what I'm seeing out of the Lions. Again, I'm trying to get my expectations down a little bit because I understand they are still a game under 500. But I like what I'm seeing in terms of being able to build for the future. And like Aiden Hutchinson, can't find the exact stat right now, but I think he had something like 10 or 11 uh, QB hits over the last five or six weeks. He's been able to sack the quarterback like three, four times. He's gotten an interception in there. I mean, it seems like Aiden Hutchinson, every time they need a, a hit on the, uh, the opposing quarterback, they've been able to do that through Aiden Hutchinson. And it's been incredible to watch. There's still a few pieces away on the defense, but I think with those two draft picks they have coming up, they're going to be able to fill some holes. And I think that there's a lot of players out there that look at Dan Campbell and say, this is the type of coach I want to play for. And they do have a lot of money coming up. If they can restructure the Jared Goff deal a little bit, they will have a lot of money in the offseason to play with. So we'll see how that works out. But uh, there's some other topics we definitely want to bring up. One of them being the Raiders. Uh, so the Raiders <laughs> on the other end have been they've, – they've been terrible, man. This team probably should be like 9-5 and five right now or 9-4, and four, whatever they what, – however many games they've won. They should have won at least 70% of them, 75% of them. They've blown four double digits, double digit leads this year uh, by 10 points or more. They've blown four of those games. They've struggled mightily with maintaining the lead, which like something that I can relate to because I've been a Lions fan. And I've seen this happen many times over the years, but it's pathetic, man. And uh, I'm just curious because I know you've been a big Derek Carr defender. Do you think that this falls on Derek Carr's shoulders? Do you think they need another guy in this offseason? Like what? What do you think is the main problem with the Raiders and how do you solve it? Yeah, the Raiders are uh, they're a team that's really really disappointed this year. I think I had them going 9 and 8, I'm pretty sure. So, there was playoff aspirations for this team, but they, they were on a winning streak and there there looked like there may have been a shot for them to potentially sneak in and, you know, Josh McDaniels, I think the narratives were starting to change about him and you lose to Baker Mayfield, who was on the Rams for like two days, didn't even know, doesn't even really even know the playbook and has to play with new teammates who he hasn't even developed any chemistry with. And you lose to him, you blow, what was it, like a 16 to 3 or 16 to 0 lead, whatever it was, you blew a lead. And this has been a common theme. And I think that just falls on, it falls on a lot of things. I think Derek Carr has had some pretty bad games. I think. You know, I think this last game against the Rams, he had like two interceptions, like a hundred yards. Like, there's been a, quite a few Derek Carr games where I've been like, "What is what is going on here?" Uh, I think he's just been too inconsistent this season. I think their defense hasn't really been that great. I know Max Crosby's been really good, but like outside of that, they rank on the bottom in terms of how many yards they've given up per drive. I think they're like third, like they've given up like the third most yards per drive and points per drive. They're pretty low too, so. They're giving up a lot of points, a lot of yards on their defensive on the defensive side of the ball. And then like Josh McDaniels, I think, you know, it falls on him too, not being able to hang on to these leads because if they Raiders hang on to those leads that they had, then like we could be having a completely different discussion about this team. Like this team would probably be in the playoffs right now. Like they would maybe be close to walking up a spot. But unfortunately, they've had times where they've just haven't been able to close out games, and that definitely falls on the head coach. But I think there's just a lot of things they have to kind of address. And you know, do you 
decide maybe Josh McDaniels isn't your head coach moving forward. I mean, I don't even know if they can really get out of it because they're already having to pay John Gruden a boatload of money. And it's just like at that point, like, you know, are you going to cut another head coach that you've already given a bunch of guaranteed money to, and you're going to have to pay him too and bring in another guy. Like, I don't know. I feel like Josh McDaniels is kind of stuck right now with the Raiders. And I think the, the Raiders could move on from Derek Carr. Like if they decide, you know, Hey, like, if we're going to get a high draft pick and we can draft a quarterback in this year's drafts, like let's do it. Um, I could definitely see them being enamored with like a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, Derek Carr, like he, he does really care about this team. And like, you see it in the post game press conferences where he's crying and being like, you know, I just want to win or whatever it may be. And he like cares about his team, but also like there's been times where he really hasn't, performs up to expectations and you know you see sometimes Devontae Adams getting you know ticked off like hey like I want to get the ball and it's just there's a lot I think with the Raiders and I think what you do is you know you gotta definitely address the defense I think their defense hasn't been playing that well um you know add some more pieces to your defense and I don't know I mean Derek Carr I know have been like a, a, a defender of him but I mean this season really hasn't been a great year for him um, I know like Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro missed games this season too. So like they haven't been like a hundred percent healthy, but I mean, Josh Jacobs is running the ball really well. Like you have that to, to kind of lean on, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. And I could definitely see a scenario where Derek Carr is not the Raiders starting quarterback next year. Um, and maybe that's just something where like, you know, Josh McDaniels is not a Derek Carr guy and you know, he, would prefer working with a different quarterback and maybe it's a rookie um, or somebody else. So it's going to be pretty big off season for the Raiders. And I think if you're a Raiders fan, you're definitely disappointed because you, your, your team was, yeah, it was, a you know, we were all deeming the AFC West as a very loaded division and probably the best division in the NFL, but they've really fallen flat. And, you know, this there was high expectations i think for the raiders i think and i mean i know some people had them like last in the division but like i had them at nine wins because of some of the star power they had on their team but yeah it's it's definitely disappointing so i'm about to say something crazy all right get ready to this okay there, ready to there are three teams three teams that tom brady could play for next year there's the 49ers he loves watching them grew up watching them i've seen enough of trey lance to think he's not it he's not the future the 49ers win with garoppolo but the problem is he's had a season ending injury three of the last six years the raiders have blown four double digit leads you know what they need they need a guy that can go in there and close out games you know who their head coach is oh yeah it's josh mcdaniels it's the same guy that has been th- coaching tom brady for years right? There's one other possibility and that's the Patriots, right? You know, and the words are shined down. Sometimes goodbye is a second chance, but I'm just saying, look, the Raiders are a real possibility. They play Vegas. I think Tom Brady likes that atmosphere. He likes the big game vibe. I could see him being a Raider next year. Might sound crazy, but I'm just saying they have wide receivers, right? They have Hunter Renfro had a hundred receptions last year. Uh, who else do they have? They have Devontae, Devontae Adams, Adams a, a number one wide receiver. Dar- um, Darren Waller, right? He's a, a top top seven tight end when he's healthy. Running back, Josh Josh Jacobs, maybe he decides to stay. You know who else is there? Brandon Bolden. You know who the backup quarterback is? Jared Stidham. 
it's like it's crazy, bro. They're setting themselves up for Tom Brady next year. They're not gonna fire Josh McDaniels because they're not gonna pay him all that money. They're just gonna think, you know, something. We need a we need a disgruntled quarterback in here who is the goat. Coincidentally, it's gonna be Tom Brady. Sounds crazy right now, maybe, but I that's that's my crazy prediction for next season. I think Tom Brady is gonna be a Raider. So we'll see what happens. But look, the Raiders right now, the way they are. It's been a mess. It's been hard to watch all the all the times. I feel bad for Raiders fans. I mean, tickets are not cheap. Just talk to Jason Pombo. He's going to a Raiders game in he LA. Is, yeah. uh, yep. I keep saying LA in Las Vegas, Las Vegas soon. Mm-hmm. And uh tickets are not cheap. Those fans have been through some stuff lately. And last season, they they made it to the playoffs somehow some way. They got a little bit of a break there, a little bit of a uh alleviation, but this season it's been a disaster even though they have talent. That's the thing like Max Crosby is so talented. That defense, they have some pieces on there, but it's just their their terrible first round drafting over the years has kind of caught up to them. And for some reason or another, they just haven't been able to to hang on to the these games. And a lot of the times, I read a stat, and I'm sure this has changed because like a month has passed since that stat got published. But after like week week eight or nine, something like that. Derek Carr was like seven for 28 throwing for throwing to um, Devontae Adams in the fourth quarter, like 25% completion rating when he's targeting mm-hmm. him in the fourth quarter. And it's like, there's something not right there. And the thing is Devontae Adams is still going off. I think he's like wide receiver five this year in terms of fantasy points, at least yep. he's been productive this year. Overall, it's just, they haven't been able to, to hang on to le- these leads and then they haven't been able to come back. But then again, I mean, Derek Carr, I mean, historically speaking that he's been really good in the fourth quarter. He's been making a lot of fourth quarter comes back comebacks over his career. So I don't know really what the issue is, but they got to figure it out this off season for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, to go right, to like backtrack on the Tom Brady stuff. I mean, I could definitely see like the Raiders being a possibility. I remember Dana White, actually the president of the UFC had come out, it was before like a UFC event. It was like, yeah, like Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski were going to be Raiders, but I think it was, um, it might've been, uh, Mark Davis who, uh, nixed it, the Raiders owner. I, I, it was something along those lines, but I mean, I could see Tom Brady definitely playing for Vegas and Raiders. I think right now have like this, they're, they're going to have like the ninth most cap space in the NFL next season. They'll have like $31 million. Like, I know they might want to sign Josh Jacobs. That's going to be a conversation. And, you know, maybe there's some other guys that they might want to re-sign. But, you know, I think Tom Brady could definitely be in the running. And especially if, like, they can get off of Derek Carr's contract and trade him away or do whatever they need to do. Certainly possible. Um, I personally, if Tom, if Tom Brady doesn't decide to retire, because I think that's certainly on the table, too, if he just decides, like, hey, like, I have said – for years that I want to play until I'm 45 well he's 45 and maybe he just decides like I want to hand it up and it's certainly possible I don't think he would come back to Tampa Bay I mean you look how Tampa Bay has been this season they have not been really good uh I could see the I think the 49ers make the most sense for Tom Brady especially with you know how that team has kind of been constructed and Jimmy Garoppolo they can kind of move off of him and maybe they decide to trade away Trey Lance or whatever but I think it just makes too much sense, especially because Tom, his parents are getting old. Like I know his mom has been sick in the past. Like if he wants to go back home and spend more time with his family, 
I think that's definitely in the running. And, you know, he grew up in San Francisco in the Bay Area. And San Francisco just happens to have uh, maybe the one of the best well-constructed teams in the league in terms of their offense. They have Christian McCaffrey, who's like a perfect Tom Brady running back. You can just dump up, dump screen passes off to him, um, you know, run some, you know, some Texas routes or, you know, swing passes like Christian McCaffrey can, can just do that for you. And then you have maybe the best defense in the NFL to also back you up. So I could definitely, I mean, the Raiders, I could see it. Like maybe Tom wants to spend his time in Las Vegas. And obviously he has some friends like Dana White, you know, that could persuade him to come over there. But I think if he were to come back and play, I think it'll be the 49ers. I think it just makes too much sense. And I think that that would be a fantastic pairing. I think that would just give him the best chance of winning a Super Bowl again. Yeah, you know, you know who Christian McCaffrey is? This kind of just hit me. Christian McCaffrey is Wes Welker as a running back. <laughs> Dude, is that really because is. he's white? <laughs> no, no, no. That's all they do with that. <laughs> no, it's just because like or, or like Julian Edelman or something. Like just the way that their their bodies are constructed. They're both like similar height, similar weight. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. And it's just like he just runs out, you know, does a little screen pass, and then he takes off for like 20 yards. It's the same kind of stuff that Wes Welker did, or Julian Edelman did for that matter, yeah. as a slot wide receiver. It's the same kind of stuff that they were doing. So interesting, interesting uh, comparison there. Th- this is why you listen to Rough in the Basket, the stuff that you you never know that you wanted to know will we'll come right, out. The crazy comps, man. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> for sure. So there was another thing that happened in the NFL, unfortunately, not on Sunday, but on Monday. Kyler Murray went down with an injury, torn ACL at the very yep. least. I, I'm pretty sure the X-rays, the other X-rays, confirmed torn ACL now. Yeah, torn ACL. Yeah. So he's gonna be out for the rest of the season. It's you know Colt McCoy's team. The Cardinals were underwhelming to say the least this year. Had some a lot of injury issues, some um, steroid or whatever. You know DeAndre Hopkins was yeah PEDs. Um, yeah PEDs whatever. They've just had a lot of issues this year. And I think at some point, though, you have to uh, you have to start pointing this back at the head coach at some point. And Cliff Kingsbury is not a good head coach. I don't know what more the NFL world needs to no. see to confirm this. It's like, dude, in his years there, I'll give him credit. He's been able to make the make the Arizona Cardinals at least watchable because before he was there, they were a joke and obviously had the number one pick and. They weren't that good, but I mean, his second half performances, even in the years that he's been able to do well, which when you look at the stats, hasn't really been that much. I mean, last year was really the the golden age of the Arizona Cardinals in the last few years, and they went 11 and six. They started off the season, something like, I think it was eight and oh or eight and one. And after that, they just fell apart completely. They weren't able to get any wins really. Uh, And it's just something that we've seen year in and year out with uh, Cliff Kingsbury. And even in college, when you go back to Texas Tech, he has Patrick Mahomes as his starting quarterback, and he wasn't able to finish over 500. If you look at his college football career stats, Cliff Kingsbury had a losing record as a college football head coach. He's not a good head. He's a great look. You pair this guy with the right talent, you put him as an offensive coordinator, I think he could thrive. But as a head coach, he is mm-hmm. not ready right now. He is not it. And I don't think this is the right hire. And I understand there's been a lot of things that have happened with the Cardinals this season where people may be able to make excuses for him. But at the end of the day, like how many more years do you want to see of him being underwhelming before you just say, look, he's not the guy. We need to move on and get somebody else. I mean, I think 
I think they should move off of him this season or after the season or maybe even right now. Like, I'm dead serious. I've never really been sold on Cliff Kingsbury. I think I'll give him credit where, like, the the Cardinals offense has been great, but I don't know. Maybe that's more because of Kyler Murray and how talented of a quarterback he is. Not sure, but look, I mean, he's proved he proved in this in the Monday night game against the Patriots that like he makes some pretty bad coaching decisions, like going for it when he shouldn't, not taking the points and the play calling sometimes. Like you see, you've seen Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury go back and forth sometimes, literally on camera, like get when they're like yelling at each other on the sidelines or something like clearly there's some sort of a little bit of disconnect there and you know that's certainly the last thing you want is you know your often your head coach and your quarterback kind of getting into it like that um and it happens pretty regularly which is really sad but yeah this Kyler Murray injury stinks and this is one of the probably the one of the worst things that could have happened to the Cardinals in my opinion because I mean Kyler Murray like I know, like, we sometimes crap on him, but, like, talent-wise, he's a top – at least a top 12 quarterback. I think he's a top 10 guy right now. Like, he's super talented. He's one of the best runners of the football we have in the NFL. And, you know, in terms of his arm talent, he has fan- his arm talent is, is out of this world good. And, you know, I mean, not, not to the level of, like, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or, like, Justin Herbert, but, like, Kyler Murray is, you know, I think a very good passer, and he's great, but – I don't know. The Cardinals, I look at the roster right now, and I'm like, they have one of the more older teams in the NFL. Like, DeAndre Hopkins is up there in age. Like, DeAndre Hopkins is probably, like, in his 30s. J.J. Watt's 33. Ronnie Hudson's 33. Justin Pugh is 32. A.J. Green's 34. Kelvin Beecham's 33. They have a lot of guys who, I mean, in my opinion, are like are at the tail end of their careers. And I think the Cardinals, if you, like, average their age – average age out i'm pretty sure they might be the oldest team in the nfl they're not one of the oldest teams i'm just i don't really see that many like star players like i know buddha baker's a really good safety um and then like i'm trying to think like me obviously kyler murray when he's healthy but i mean outside of that they really don't have any like great young guys on that roster unless i'm from just forgetting somebody i mean isaiah simmons like they drafted him as a top 10 pick and he hasn't really panned out that much Zayvon Collins was like a first round pick. He hasn't really turned out to be like a pro bowl linebacker. And then their first round pick this year was Hollywood Brown. Cause they traded it to the Ravens. So I don't know, man, uh, the, the Cardinals, like their offense gets exciting when Kyler Murray's healthy. And when these weapons are healthy, like Rondale Moore has missed time too, which is sad. Um, but other than that, man, the Cardinals are Kyler Murray's probably not going to be ready until potentially the 2024 season like he might not even play next year because he tore his ACL in December that's like a nine to ten month recovery time like maybe there's a chance he comes back like in the middle of next season but what if the Cardinals are already dead out of the water like I don't know it's just a it's a weird situation I mean I guess you kind of have to pay to kind of have to play him because you paid him 180 million dollars guaranteed 189.5 million dollars guaranteed for five years 230.5 but i mean it's uh, i don't know man the the cardinals are really in a tough situation they're they're a team i feel like that you know these guys are getting older you don't have that many young that many good young guys on your roster 
when is that you know when do you when do you decide to kind of blow it up and kind of hit the restart button their general manager too steam kime recently is taking a leave of absence which maybe that's a good thing for cardinals fans if they don't really like him but i don't know it's uh, this this team is in a uh it's a weird spot currently and i don't really like their future right now yeah there's they almost feel like they're in they're in purgatory in a way like they just seem like they're really really in the middle uh, and there's no real real escape i mean it's kind of been like like i said the last few years they've had a little bit of success but when they start getting a little bit too cocky you know they fall down kyler murray up there is extremely talented he is in terms of talent at least maybe not stats or anything or maybe even stats there's, a, there's an argument for it but in terms of talent he's definitely up there as a top 10 quarterback uh and, and he should be winning i mean there's really no reason why he shouldn't be winning with the right pieces around him it's a very unfortunate injury but i think they need to start looking at maybe how they can give him a little bit more help but then again like they had zach Ertz, they had marquise brown and they had deandre hopkins i mean those three in itself are, are great weapons i james connor he got like 15 17 touchdowns whatever it was last year so they they did in theory have weapons around him it's just for some reason or another, they haven't been able to win. And this is one of those things where kind of just like scratch your head and say like, how aren't they winning? How aren't they making the playoffs every year? Why, why haven't they won a playoff game on under uh, Kyler Murray? And again, I think the answer just goes back to head coach and hopefully they get rid of him this off season. They move on from him. And I'm not really sure how you can hit the restart button. I think maybe it does come down more on the defensive side of the ball than the offensive side of the ball. Because, you know, when you, when you review the stats, I think their defense is something like 26 in the league in the majority of categories. I'm pretty sure points per game. They're like 26, if I'm not mistaken, or 25th. I know they're in the bottom, bottom, like, I don't know, like 10, 15%, whatever. So they're down and they need to definitely do something in their defensive soft season. Um, and also, I mean, I mentioned Texas tech just real quick. I want to say, you know, RIP to Mike Leach, um, a great, great coach, made the yeah. 19 of his 21 years coaching at a college football level. Uh, he was a head coach of Mississippi State, and recently he coached at Washington State. I believe he was the coach of Gardner Minshew for a while, uh, and also, I mean, coached at Texas Tech for a while also, which kind of brings back the Cliff Kingsbury connection and everything, but uh definitely want to take a moment and just say, you know, RIP. That one was a shocker, honestly. I turned on the TV and I saw that, and I was like, wow. That's that's sad. Young, sixty-one years old, but yeah, rest in peace to Mike Weech. I I definitely want to pay give my condolences to him, his family, everybody, everyone, any player who was coached by him. He's someone who, in the college football world, like really was like a pioneer. I think he was very, uh, just like he was very. In, uh, I think he was the one who created the air raid offense, if I'm not mistaken, or at least he was like one of the pioneers of it. Um, so, I mean, he helped change the game and then just like as a person too, like you see some of his like press conferences, he's like as real as it gets. He's a, he's a funny guy. Um, and yeah, he was just a great personality and, you know, someone who, you know, who has really, I mean, there's been a lot of great head coaches who have come after him too, that he's, you know, taught. And I think he's someone who, you know, his legacy will definitely live on forever. And yeah, rest in peace of coach Mike Leach. That was a very, very sad piece of news that I saw. Um, and, you know, just condolences to his family, friends, players who played for him and coaches who were coached with him and, and anybody that knew him, uh, rest in peace.
Yeah, I actually saw something really interesting. This is fascinating. Lincoln Riley, who is definitely one of the best head coaches in college football right now, actually was a player, I believe, for Texas Tech under under Mike Leach. And what happened was uh, Mike Leach kind of told him, like, hey, like, I'm going to have to cut you as a player, but I see a lot of potential in you being a head coach one day, and I would like for you to be a part of the staff. And that really got him thinking. And now, obviously, he's one of the best coaches in college football. So fascinating story there for sure. Uh, really sad that passed away at the young age of 61, but lived a very fulfilling life and definitely touched a lot of people. So that's that's what we got to do as humans, you know, just make sure we have an impact on people. So I think that's definitely a takeaway to have here. But I think overall, this is probably a good place to end the podcast for today. Uh, Brandon Carr, you got any more comments? Yeah, I mean, you know, great episode once again. I hope you get the Trevor Lawrence shirt, or at least just invest in this, man. Um, crazy enough, though, I was looking. Brock Purdy rookie cards right now are going for, like, $800. It's, like, insane that the hype that he's been getting, and you had said earlier, like, they're going, like, the Trevor Lawrence ones were going for, like, 50 to $500 or whatever. The Brock Purdy hype is absolutely insane. So, if you if you have a Brock Purdy rookie card autographs rookie card sell that thing right now like i'm like this is free money because i don't i mean i don't think brock purdy is gonna amount to being the next tom brady or anything like that i just don't see it so sell it that's my advice definitely again situational football there's there's certain situations where you can fit almost any able person who can throw a football in that system and they'll win games that's kind of what the 49ers are at this point that offense is just so smooth but that's so true. One last quick little uh, tidbit here. I just read a story about a man that paid $66,000 for a, like one of one Zach Wilson rookie sign card or something what? like that. Yeah, sign uh he bought this in the off season and yeah, it's not looking very good. Like there's some guy that made the whole Instagram Instagram reel about it. It was like a Drew Brees autograph card from his rookie year went for like 40000 or $35,000 less than what that guy paid for that, the Zach Wilson cut. Dude, I just don't understand some people. The, the card market is so out of whack. Like you'll have these guys that win like three Super Bowls and their their autograph cards will go for like 200 And then you'll have a guy that has done nothing that is just all hype and his cards will be selling for like $3,000, a.k.a. Zach Wilson, a.k.a you know Brock Purdy, yeah yeah crazy dude like I even saw Brandon Zappi I was curious when he went on that little Patriots streak there like how much his cards were going for and they went from like they started off around like 30 40 dollars when the season started and they like dude they skyrocketed they they hit like 500 during that it's streak. insane it's like the stock market but yeah. yeah if you're if you have Brock Purdy autograph card sell that thing right now I'm telling you like probably going to be the most money that you make out of it. Or if you want to wait until like the he takes the 49ers to the playoffs, maybe you could do that. But, I mean, I, I would try jumping on it as soon as you possibly can. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's not going any higher than that. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no way. But, yeah, that's it for this week's episode of Rough in the Basket. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at Rough the Basket. Go follow us on Instagram at Rough in the Basket. Noah. Put out has been putting out some new reels. So if you guys have not checked those out, make sure you guys go check it out. Leave a like, leave a comment, um, share it. But you can also follow me on Twitter at bcar underscore 13. And you can follow Noah on Instagram at mburnt37. I already, I mean, you asked me if I have anything. You already gave your piece with the card thing. So I'll let you off the hook this week. We'll just cut it here. 
Thank you guys so much for listening to Rough in the Basket, and we will see you guys next week. Peace out.